Taking you inside the world of music, this is Inside Music Cast with Rick Such and Eddie Cabello. On this episode, Inside Music Cast welcomes David Page. Welcome to Inside Music Cast, a podcast devoted to musicians, fans, and the people that make music happen. I'm Rick Such. And I'm Eddie Cabello. Welcome, everybody, from around the world. And as Rick mentioned, Inside Music Cast is devoted to bringing you candid interviews, news, and information with the musicians, fans, and people that make music happen. That's right. This is the podcast that goes beyond the pop star and features the talent behind the talent. So if you're ready, let's get started. On our last episode of Inside Music Cast, we talked shop with David Page and learned about his career and his history with the legendary rock band Toto. In this episode, we'll devote much of our dialogue to a topic that's very close to David's heart, and maybe yours. We'll be talking about Jeff Procaro. If there's anyone who can share wonderful insight on Jeff's life, it's Dave. Join us as Dave and a special guest help us unlock Jeff memories that will truly leave you smiling, laughing, and even learning a little more about a man who was one of the greatest drummers ever. From high school to silk degrees to Toto, we'll take you on a journey that will surely take you back to Jeff's beginnings and end where a legend begins. Once again, our guest is David Page. So, Dave, I want to turn our attention now to Jeff Percaro for a few moments, and, and I'd also like to uh, welcome another guest who asked to sit in on our Jeff Percaro conversation, and that's Scott Page. Scott, welcome back to Inside Music Cast. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here, that's for sure. You know, Jeff is, is one of the best, if not the most respected drummers in the history of popular music, I mean, without a doubt. Uh, and, and I'm still amazed that even now, 14 years after he left us, at how powerful his effect is on the music business and how much respect he still garners. You know, and I read, oh, yeah. I read blogs and testaments online from people all the time who, who didn't know Jeff personally, but they speak of him as if he were a beloved relative, you know. And, and uh, in a quiet sort of way, he really had an amazing allure, and it was usually his type playing and his groove that did most of the talking. Got that right. You know, I'm just, I have Jeff's discography punched up here, and I thought I had an extensive one. Jeff's like laps me three times, but when you realize who he played with, I mean, he just covered it all. I mean, I'm starting here with 10CC and Peter Allen. Mm-hmm. But you get into, like, Springsteen, Dire Straits, Allen Toussaint, uh, Jackson Brown, Dr. John, all these people. I mean, everybody he played with, you know? Paul McCartney. Yeah. And Steely Dan, which were probably, those were the most tightly cast sessions. Those and Seals and Cross were the hardest sessions I ever had to get on, on because they were using nothing but impact. I mean, pros couldn't even get on that. <laughs> and Jeff got in on that, and he got me in on Steely Dan, and I got him in on Seals and Crofts. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that stuff was, that's when back they were tweezing this stuff out with microscopes, like guys do Pro Tools today, but we were players. Right. So you'd have to play it you'd like Pro Tools back then, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and Jimmy Seals was definitely, because uh, <laughs> I know I came on the Seals and Croft band after you guys. And, and it's so, a good uh, thing he didn't have a Pro Tools. I love Jimmy and Dash, but boy, I'll tell you, Jimmy is a perfectionist. <laughs> Jimmy's a perfectionist. He's like a he's a human pro tools. Oh, he pro is. Tools. There's no question. <laughs> and, a gen- and a genius, you know. So the Seals and Crofts gig that was I mean that was it was very demanding, huh? Yeah, it was, and that was Jeff very demanding because, like I said, Jimmy Seals everything had to be perfectly in tune and feel right and everything. Mikey played on some of that stuff. Mike Percaro, really, and Jeff and myself and Hungate played on some stuff there. I was the first one to do it. I did Diamond Girl. Mm-hmm. Back in '73, uh, and then mm-hmm. Jeff, I got Jeff on that record there, but that was the first hit I played on. And hey, David, you know, I'm sure that, and Scott too, I'm sure that Jeff was like a, a brother to you both. And so, if you would give us your thoughts about what Jeff meant to you as a musician and a friend. First of all, Jeff was like the coolest guy in the world. First of all, he's the best drummer. I mean, he 
played a 14 better than any drummer plays at any age right now, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how good a drummer, right, Scotty? Oh, no question. I mean, the guy was so awesome, but locked in. That's what, why we went to rehearsals, is to just dig Jeff, you know, half the yep. It was easy to play, you know. It was like playing with Bernard Purdy. But I <laughs> yeah. even like Jeff better than Purdy, you know. And, and Purdy was a big influence on Jeff, correct? Yeah, Purdy and uh, Keltner and John Bonham, you know. Mm-hmm. Those are the three big guys there. Mm-hmm. But Jeff was just cool. He's, first of all, style... First time I met Jeff, I mean, I was like, well, my parents had horses, so I was dressed like the guys in Brokeback Mountain, you know? <laughs> okay, got that picture? Well, I walk in and Jeff's got, like, long hair, a hippie bandana, a vest on, and he goes, he has an American flag sewn in his crotch, you know? <laughs> so you can't wear that stuff in my school. We were, like, you know, we were, like, in uniforms and stuff. All he didn't walk in and ask, why can't I quit you? No, no. And so Jeff was just absolutely always the coolest, always the, you know, the, the uh, style. Uh-huh. Uh, wore the right stuff and, right. and always handled all the crowds. I mean, when we'd be in a session and if someone would walk into the room like me, Jeff would just go, oh, perfect, Paige is here. And he would make, he made the sessions fun. Yeah. <laughs> he was the center of attention at all times, drawing right. pictures, just entertaining people. All the time. That Definitely. was the fun part. You'd get, he'd, the take was the easiest part to get. After you get the take, it'd be just Jeff hanging out, doing overdubs and calling people on the phone getting people to come down and play on the thing we just cut, and he'd be drawing pictures of everybody while we're doing it. Pretty, pretty soon the whole room would be full, and we were just making demos for these people. You know, they weren't even big, you know, we would just be jamming, you know? Yeah, I mean, he would do things that would just amaze me. You know, we went back, I remember doing, when we did those, uh, those Ricky Gianco, that album we did with Ricky, one of the things was one of the tracks came down, and we listened to the track, and the track wasn't really rocking real hard, and uh, Brother Jeff says, give me the tambourine. Right. And he just grabbed the tambourine yeah. and he laid a tambourine track on and the whole thing straightened out. Yeah. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. I mean, he had such a sense. I mean, his time and his groove oh, was yeah. so deep. I mean, he would go in and do a whole B-52s album in one day. Hmm. He'd wow. go in and do the REO Speedwagon. They cut their whole album. Jeffrey did the whole drum, on the whole album in one day. Oh, my gosh. Just boom, 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 <laughs> boom, 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 one take after another. That's how he liked to play. We started doing the whole record and putting him on Laos. Because he was always busy. He's like, i got to go to a session, guys. i only got time for one day. <laughs> yeah. And we were good chef. We're making a total album. Hey, man, I'm late, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was great, man. And, uh, and the great thing about Jeff, when we were on the road, he never, ever refused to uh, show kids how to play drums. And he did drum clinics on the road. Really? And stuff. No one knows this, you know? I heard Jeff never dug solos. Uh, because Keltner told him Ringo hates solos, so Jeff had to hate <laughs> solos, too. <laughs> Keltner Ringo hated solos, okay? The only time I ever heard him play a solo was at this one clinic. Then so the drummer says, Darren, him, says, well, let's hear you play a solo, buddy. You know, you you don't like solos? Well, let's hear you. What's your idea of a solo? And Jeff got up there, and he put his sticks down and played with his hands like there were toddlers <laughs> the whole solo, and then picked up his sticks and ripped it off. And it was like, unbe- Jeff was an unbelievable player. Wow. People act like he can't play. I usually heard him on two bass drums, man. At rehearsal, sometime Jeff could do it. He just hated to show off because Keldner didn't like that shit. You know, <laughs> not at all. Definitely. <laughs> you know, yeah, I remember him telling me a story. He says, you know, I said, you know, I was asking about the drum solos, and he says, look, he says, whatever you do, don't play a fill till you can't stand it. Right. He said he wouldn't even play fills until you couldn't stand it. And that's right. one of the things that I truly, really loved about Jeff is because it was just it was all about the groove. Yeah. And he, man, I'm, I'm telling you, it was he had so much influence on me. Because when I was a kid, again, I was studying to be an architect and didn't really care about music. And I got yeah. in that, when we got in that band, it changed my life to become a musician. And at that time, I was in college. I was the oldest guy. And I, had, yeah. I was a trumpet player at that right. time. And what happened was, is because of Jeff, uh, I basically wanted to study. Because what happened is all you guys took off and started rocking. 
right? Yeah. I mean, all the Sonny and Cher and all those things started happening, and, you know, Merciful Soul Band kind of went away, or it wasn't Merciful Soul, it was a real still life, that's right, Merciful mm-hmm. Soul first. Um, and what happened was, is I was, in the back of my mind, it was like, man, I got to practice because I want to do those gigs. And so for me, Jeff was somebody that was in the back of my head. Yeah. Every day, I mean, every day I practiced. There wasn't a day that I don't think I went by that was like, okay, man, I got to get good enough so I can get move myself up the ladder and get into the music business. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the day that I got called for the Toto gig, man. I mean, that was one of the, a, a big day for me uh, personally because it was just like, oh, man, at least I got to the point where I got called to go play with my buddies again. And that yeah. Oh, man, we were grooving so hard because you'd been, you had, he, Scotty, Scotty's so humble, man. He's like touring with Pink Floyd. Right, exactly. And he goes, God, I just want to be as big as those guys. We're like, God, Scotty's got playing guitar. <laughs> Scotty plays flute, trumpet, and now he plays guitar, okay? Sorry, People shouldn't be that gifted, Scotty. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we get him to play in our thing, but why we like this because we felt comfortable because he's from the old hood, the old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we knew Scotty was dead on and reliable and everything like that. And then we'd have a great hang with him, you know? Yeah. We had a great time. And that yeah, was you never, you know, you don't yeah. usually yeah. hang out with a trumpet player after gigs, you know what I mean? <laughs> but we were. We had a ball with Scotty, you know? No one has better hair than Scotty, man. Oh, God, I can't believe it. Still got that hair. I can now wrap it around as I start to lose. <laughs> and Scott, when you joined, uh, when you were asked to go out on the road with Toto, that was around the time of isolation, is that correct? That was, yeah, the isolation tour. And I remember, man, all I remember was is I'd go to the rehearsals and I'd go home and I'd shed all night long because oh, I was so nervous to go back to the gig. Well, remember Jeff, though? I remember <laughs> Jeff even when we first started playing, Scotty, like in 70 or 69. Remember Jeff would stop and make everybody rehearse shit to get it tight, especially with the bass drum. You know, everything had to go with his bass drum. Yes. You know, so he'd bust everybody, you know? Yeah. Really? I just get out of his way. I just I saw that and I said, Yeah, Jeff, go get him, you know. <laughs> Luckily I was playing everybody else is playing drums, electric guitars, loud instruments. I'm on an upright piano, so I'm just I'm just no one can hear me, so I'm just smiling like, <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm killing it here, you know. <laughs> hey Paige, what was that show we did at the school where we did was it what was the musical that we did? What which That was My Fair was Lady. That? You guys did My Fair Lady? That's the one you're talking about in my school, right, Scott? Yeah, we did that thing. Was that my Lorraine Fair just lady? pulled out a, a program brochure for that. My school didn't have music departments, so we invented one there, and we threw My Fair Lady, but I changed all the music to John Williams' adaptation, which is a jazz version that Shelley Mann put out. Uh-huh. And I did all these arrangements, and luckily, like, I got down to the day of the show, and I was two songs short. My dad bailed me out and wrote them in, like, 20 minutes, you know? I remember and that. Scotty, I had Scotty and, and, and the Still Life horn section. I'm sorry to say I don't have a recording of it, but it was we rehearsed. It was like that day. It was like they came in and sight read the show. You know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> it was awesome. I thought you were talking about Scotty. Did you go to UCLA with Paul Tanner, with me and uh, Sawyer and Kelly Shanahan? We did a class over there. Don't I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, there was a couple different things. Anyway, that brought back some memories right there. Yeah. You know, I've read some personal accounts of Jeff's that the, the Steely Dan gigs that he was involved in were at the time just a, a huge leap for him, professionally speaking. And Fagan and Becker, you know, have always been known for surrounding themselves with just incredible talent. And, yeah. and Jeff certainly fit the category. What was it about Jeff's playing that made him such a sought-after drummer in, in your mind? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, he's, he has impeccable time because mm-hmm. he used to practice with a metronome, rushing and dragging it, and playing around the click and making it feel natural. Because you got to remember, his dad is a consummate professional. Right, right. His dad is always on his ass, you know, playing with a click, Jeff, you know, keeping time and all this stuff, you know. So, and uh, they had heard us do, I think, Seals and Crofts records. And Jeff was a big Steely Dan fan from the beginning. His, his Jeff was, was in the Hendrix lyrics and Steely Dan lyrics. He knew mm-hmm. them all. Yeah. So he would go check them out, and, and then I think he met 
either Denny or somebody like that and got a call. Jim Gordon threw him a call or something like mm-hmm. that. And he went in and uh, he did a couple tracks with him. And then he called me, and I did, uh, that was Pretzel Logic. I did Night by Night. Mm-hmm. But Jeff loved it because Jeff could sell you on anything. Jeff should have been a little friggin'. He was like a car salesman. <laughs> if this was a good track, he'd tell you why it's a good track and, and show you how hip it is and everything like this. And at the same time, if Jeff didn't think he was the right player, I mean, I saw him on Black Friday. He put down his sticks, and the first thing he goes, he goes, I'm going to fix this track. And he called Jim Keltner on the phone <laughs> to come down and play. Jeff, they, everybody, they used to have to stop him because Jeff would always go, I, I know the right drummer for playing on this. And he'd always call another drummer. They'd hire him, and he'd call somebody, you know. <laughs> You're yeah, kidding. Right? Wow. So uh, I think it was his fact, his sensitivity and his finesse. Jeff thought like a songwriter when he played. He didn't play like a drummer. Uh-huh. It's not, it sounds like that, yeah. If I fault for Simon Phillips... It's hard to fault him, but Simon plays more like a drummer. Jeff plays more like the guy that wrote the song Mm -hmm. while he's playing. So he doesn't have to play busy. He just plays like if he was accompanying himself, he'd he'd written the whole song. That's why he plays so little, but it means something, you know. And he doesn't play really super hard either. It's almost as if he already knew the requirements of what it really needed, the song needed, right? See, Jeff knew about tuning drums, too. Uh He knew how to tune drums and how to get the right sound out of him. Stuff. Right. Very sensitive, because he learned that from his dad, because his dad played timpani and tablas and all right. that kind of stuff. And these drummers just bang the shit out of drums. Right. Well, Jeff plays them like they're sympathetic skins. You know, right. Keltner gave uh, Jeff a set of tea towels Ringo had given him that had used on, like, the, the Let It Be album. Jeez. These are real sensitive inside tones and players and stuff that, that treat drums just like they're, uh, you know, like they're violins and stuff, you know what I mean? Hey, David, a little while ago, you mentioned that uh, you mentioned something about Jeff never practiced, you know, back in school. And, yeah. and a, a good friend of mine that used to do a session work out in L.A. had a chance to work with Joe Percaro on several occasions. Yeah. And this was, you know, back around the time of uh, the Toto 4 release. And it right. was, there was a buzz about that album. He and uh, Joe were talking one day about the success of the album and, and Jeff in particular. And uh, Papa Joe mentioned that one at one point during Jeff's early teen years, I guess Jeff walked into the house and told his dad that he decided to get a part-time <laughs> job. It was, and it was doing what? I wonder. <laughs> I don't know, but he said it was something you know that paid like minimum wage or something. You know, he basically wanted just to earn a little extra money. And his dad apparently wasn't crazy about the idea and, yeah. and made a deal with Jeff that he would actually pay him more than minimum wage for practicing his drums. And, oh, God. And, and, uh, that is Je- classic. And Jeff pay did- him to practice. <laughs> what a sucky baby he is, man. I'm going to kill him when I see him. I mean, <laughs> Jeff was, these are little sissy, the Percaros are the little sissy boys from the city. See, I worked on a farm, you know. They used to rake leaves and stuff like that. But now pay me pay to practice. That does it, man. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's perfect. Because uh, back to Jeff, though, he very, like I said, you never saw him practice. If he had tried to get a groove down, he'd play it forever. But you never saw him, like you said, never had drums at home at his dad's house. But Jeff was always playing sessions and stuff, so I'm sure... Yeah, I mean, he didn't just get that technique from not practicing. Right, know? right. But you never saw him play, you know what I mean? He wasn't like... He just wasn't a big drummer fan. He really wanted to be an artist. Like, I read an interview with him last night. He said the only reason he did drums was just to get chicks in a car, you know? <laughs> so he could have, he'd have to have a car to move his drums, and he could get chicks if he was a drummer. Nothing, and nothing. I believe it, man, because Jeff used to leave. Scotty, after the first set, Jeff was gone, man. Always. Remember? There'd be another drummer sitting in there. Yeah. <laughs> gone, baby.
movie. Well, if you, ever get a, hey, if you ever get a chance to ask Papa Joe about that story, ask him if that's true because I, you know. Apparently- oh, I will do that. <laughs> we, we will definitely like it validated. Yeah. I'm going to ask him to pay me. I haven't been practicing. I'm going to ask him to see if he'll pay me to practice. Yeah. I definitely need to practice. Oh, buddy, me too. Yeah. Hey, you and the rest of the band have been very involved in the, the new Toto Network, which is uh, – this amazing interactive website that uh, you've created in conjunction with Scott there and the guys at New NBC, and it's it's amazing in the fact that you can uh, that your fans can sign on and interact with every yeah. member through through blogs and forums and and video and, and soon some even more interactive uh, methods. And many of the fans that are already on the site, you know, have never had a chance to really get to know Jeff outside of his recordings and, yeah. and, and hearsay. But um, tell us a little bit about Jeff's character. And uh, would he have appreciated the kind of interactivity with the fans that the Toto Network and Toto 99 Absolutely. Yeah, I was curious. Absolutely. Jeff would have been mashing art up and sending it out to everybody. See, our band, God bless, I mean, we're trying to use it more and we'd be using it more. But the band, we're so old-fashioned that we have stereotype versions of how hard it's going to be. So if like, you're, if, like, my daughter was using it or some young people, like, Scotty, they'd just be cooking on the thing because it's already so intuitive. Mm-hmm. But our band, we're like, well, it couldn't possibly be that easy. So anytime something does something or you've got to wait for two seconds, everybody's like, see, it's not, it doesn't really do that. But I'm finding out I'm, like, blogging more than most people now, and I'm the sl- most illiterate, okay? Because <laughs> Scotty gave me a lesson because I'm not afraid to go, guy, give me a lesson on this, you know? Yeah. Everybody, they just hunt and peck around. They have to understand it's a total custom setup. Scotty's done something that no one's ever done here mm-hmm. and jeff would understand that and be all i know he'd be all over it man yeah jeff you know same with joseph williams would be all over it with cameras really I mean, joseph williams used to take a camera on stage he was the first guy to start filming the audience when we play and sing and all do all that kind of stuff <laughs> really? jeff playing that? drums he probably has a whole bunch of footage joseph does yep of Jeff playing, because Joseph would just take a camera and start filming everybody like Bono does now, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah, I saw that actually on one of the the uh, videos that somebody posted. There, yeah. was, there was Joseph with his camera. Yeah, we got a whole bunch of video stock, Scotty, you know? Yep. I know I've been saying that, but we're, we're going to, I'm telling you, it's only beginning, you know? Yep, we're just getting this thing rolling, so it's going to start to really get fun here pretty soon, because we've got some yeah. new versions, some new update, upgrades of the software, and a yeah. bunch but of new Jeff things that are going to be coming down, like the, said, down the pike here pretty quick. And, and so. he would turn, and he'd, and he'd sell it to all the other musicians. Jeff was a great ambassador, impresario to the music world. You know what I mean? He was like a magnet for musicians. Right. Big time. I, I could even go as far as saying, as you know, I mean, I, the projects that I did through the years, and, you know, Jeff was always, uh, I'd always call Jeff, and he would always graciously say yes, even though he knew he had a lot of other things that he had to do. But the beautiful part was, is I always knew, once if Jeff said he would do the gig, yeah. everybody would get on board. Yeah, that's That was right. all you needed. The credibility that he had you were was there. just incredible. I even remember having a conversation with David Gilmore. Uh, Jeff is like his favorite drummer. Yeah, dig that. I mean, Gilmore would just was was the was such a, a Jeff fan. I can't tell you how many conversations we had on the road talking about Jeff. That's great. Yes, I mean all the time because I know you know he did one of Jeff, one of Dave's records. Yeah, right. And they became friends. And actually, when Jeff passed, my first call when I heard I was actually in New York. My first call was to Dave, and I talked to him right at the time when we heard, and it was mm. like he was pretty—he was definitely bummed out, man. I mean, everybody, the whole industry was bummed out. When yeah, that man, that flag, that flag was at half mass for a long time, you know. Oh, buddy, there's no question. I mean, I still go up and visit him up at his, uh, up at the, uh, up at the forest lawn there, and go sit out and hang and have a little chat with my brother about gro- the groove. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, but boy, that was you know that was quite a shock for all of us. There's no question. But it's interesting how 
his legacy continues to live on. I won't accept that, you know. He's just he just left again. He just left us down here, Scotty, like he did at all the gigs. Yeah. <laughs> split, okay, I don't want to beat his ass when I see him. I'm telling you, he just did the same thing. He left us hanging out, and he split early because he had something better going on. Split for the chicks and the good things. <laughs> I like that. That's he always wanted. He says, "I always wanted to play with Hendrix." He goes, "Man, I should just I should just like OD or something like that, and and, and go play with Hendrix." He used to make jokes like that when he was thirteen. Oh my gosh. I mean, he was talk, I remember you know? when we were on the road, remember we had two buses, Dave. We had the A bus and the B bus. Uh, and the B bus was myself, Jeff, uh, Lenny, and Paulette. And on that entire tour, we listened to basically three three tapes at that time. I don't think they were even seen. Access Bold as Love was one of them, probably. And it was, uh, well, it was Hendrix. Yeah. It was Steely Dan. Yeah. And it was a Marvin Gaye's greatest hits. Hmm. And that's it. We listened yeah. to that thing for the entire tour. You know. Uh, and he knew every lick, everything about those records. <laughs> he had studied those things at a level like I don't think anybody studied any record. Yeah. You know, here's a question I just thought of uh, sitting here, um, and I've never thought of this before, but Simon has been the drummer of Toto almost as long as Jeff was. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that amazing to think about? That's amazing. Yeah, Mike Picard was longer than Hungate. It hits me every once in a while, <laughs> yeah. that stuff, you mm-hmm. know? But then the interesting uh, thing I just thought about was, did Jeff and Simon know each other? Did They, ever... they, they met briefly a couple times. Did they? They weren't really, they didn't hang, but they knew each other, and they knew of yeah. each other because they traveled in the same circles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Because I, I asked Simon that a couple times, but that's weird that Simon's been like, a, you know, total members, but, yeah. you know, that's another conversation here, you know? Yeah, really. I come from the original Toto, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. These guys are all, you know, they're the new Toto, you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's what we always mean. I keep my seniority, my right to my seniority. <laughs> you know? And with the first four albums were the big ones, guys, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, i got to keep them in their place. Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. <laughs> you know? you got to keep hammering them, you know? Is there anything that uh, that you'd like to say about Jeff or talk about that we didn't really cover? Any any interesting There's stories? So much, you know, I'd really like to do a whole other special. We could. Yeah, we could do that. We didn't even tap into any of the stuff. You That's know? true. His technique and stuff. Just that he was the, he had the biggest heart. I think he loved kids. I think that's what he'll miss the most is not having being around his kids. Mm-hmm. But he helped people. He helped so many drummers get started. He helped Vinny Caliuto. He's helped Greg Bissonette. Mm-hmm. He helped me. He helped everybody get started. Yeah. A whole bunch of people. And uh, and he loved music. And he was a good father. And uh, and he was my bro, my partner, Toto. Him and me, we started the band. We we put up a co-sign for our loans for our houses. Did you? Put our, we put our whole thing behind it, this band here. When we started. It. <laughs> wow. And uh, so it was me and him from the beginning there, and and he's the best. There's, there's no, he's the best drummer I've ever played with, and I've played with everybody except, uh, you know, Charlie Watts and uh, and Gene Krupa. You know what I mean? Exactly. Basically, you know. Yeah. And he's my favorite drummer. Well, that, we really appreciate you taking time to talk to us about uh, Jeff Percaro, and uh, hopefully, yeah, maybe we can pick this up again sometime. Let's and, pick and, it up. Let's do, let's do a volume one, two, and three of stuff because I can go. I can just go down albums and tell you stories about different. <laughs> well, things. that'd be really cool. That'd be really cool. That's you know what I mean. Yeah. I remember a whole bunch of stuff. I just I'm just refreshing my memory because when you put Scotty on the phone, Scotty and I have a whole other set of things we know about Jeff because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we were in a band in high school with him. See? Right. So well, there's a whole other history that doesn't even start with these in Toto. You know what I mean? This goes way back. Hey, before we go, I've got just a couple of real quick uh, questions that are sort of time sensitive yeah. that I'd like to address. And actually, these came from a couple of. Uh, Toto yeah. Network members. Actually, yeah. they came from Steve McVeigh and, and Mark Regiment from the yeah. Toto 99 website. Sure. And they want to know about uh, Toto's 30th anniversary and the tour that's, I guess, in the planning stages. I have no idea about that. Okay. My band, uh, my band uh, keeps things hidden, cloaked, well cloaked from me. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, uh, 
there are a bunch of mutinous dogs that cast me on a ship adrift here. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I didn't quit the band, and I didn't get left here. They just won't tell me where they were working, you know what I mean? And so I'm going to try and find them, and when I catch up with them, uh, there'll be a price to pay, is all I can tell them. <laughs> but I'm sure the fan club and the guys, will they'll have something to commemorate. Uh, find any reason, it's like entertainment people, any reason to have an award show or, or a, this is our 30th anniversary, you know, <laughs> yeah. our first final tour, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are there any plans, well, maybe you don't know the answer to this, maybe they're keeping this from you too, but are there any plans for some sort of an album or a release to coincide with that 30th anniversary? Uh, that, that's really too hard to tell. I don't, I don't have the crystal ball on that one, guys. Well, Eddie's got a good idea for you. Yeah, what is it? You, know, you guys are traditionally known for for rearranging, you know, um, yeah. even your classic tunes. I mean, I was just talking to Greg, Greg Filmgains, and he did this, you know, phenomenal little the new arrangement for Rosanna. You oh know? yeah, man, check that out. Oh, man. that that's a it's a that it's was a, deep. It's a very uh, heavy groove there, and I'm thinking, gee whiz, you guys have a legacy of sort of changing these and sometimes yeah. even giving a whole new twist that is completely marketable to yeah. a, a different type to cre- you know the right. creation of a different music and boy. Uh, you guys uh, have a knack of doing that. Maybe you can do that with uh, some of the other That's songs. interesting. Like Clapton did when he did... Uh, uh, Layla. Layla and yeah, stuff like exactly. that. You know, I, you know, at first I was against it, though, the, the idea, because I thought, well, because we really don't like to redo our hits mm-hmm. and stuff, and maybe we do it live. But you might have a point there. There may be if something like is totally a new record, like with Phil and Gaines of the band, that's what you know, she's undeniable. Absolutely. That's a maybe... I'll have to think about that. Maybe we'll put out a, a package and put some extra cuts in there of yeah. rearrangements of those versions. I think that's really viable. I think uh, people will just love that, you know. You know, bring Take Six in to do the voices. Absolutely. On it, you, know? you know what I mean? Really cherry it out. Let Phil and Gaines handle that area, you know. No doubt. That's uh, a good idea, man. Anyway. Okay, okay, keep in touch with me, guys. We will, Dave. Thanks. You know, this is an open line. Anytime I can do anything for you guys, call me. And uh, and we'll, I feel really comfortable talking to you guys. I feel like you guys are from, from Pacoima. <laughs> Close you know to I mean? Dave. Thanks so much for joining us on. Hey, um, enjoyed it, and, I'll, and thanks for jogging my memory. Alrighty, I need so badly to be jogged. All right. Okay, man. Take well, care, thanks Dave. a lot. Take it easy. All right, bye bye. Thanks once again to David Page for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Our goal is to bring you a new podcast once every other week, so be sure to check your podcast downloads for the next episode of Inside Music Cast. If you have a question or a suggestion for the show, please drop us an email at input at insidemusiccast.com. That's input at insidemusiccast.com with one C. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Stay subscribed to Inside Music Cast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Inside Music Cast, the podcast devoted to the musicians, fans, and the people who make the music business happen. Your subscription is appreciated, so be sure to check your podcatcher for our next episode. You can also visit InsideMusicCast.com for additional content. If you'd like to contact us via email, the address is input at InsideMusicCast.com.